Hey, welcome back in, everybody. This is Mining Stock Daily. Your host, Trevor Hall, and this is going to be our last commentary of the day. It also this happens going to be my last conversation with my good pal and confidant, Mining Stock Daily, Mr. Dave Kranzler of Investment Research Dynamics and the Mining Stock Journal. Dave, uh, two and a half years ago, you and I sat down in the coffee shop and... Uh, came up with this idea of doing a podcast <laughs> here we are two and a half years ago still really more your idea than my idea i, I remember sitting in your basement office <laughs> and, and you made the decision you you, you, you know you, you bought the software to make it happen yeah but you 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 know but it needed it needed somebody with lots of experience and knowledge and know-how to get it off the ground so I could have done it without you. Well, I appreciate that. So. But most of the credit goes to you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, you know, so, man, what a what a crazy year this has been, huh? <laughs> In many, many ways. Yeah. Um, you know, okay. Let's look at this. Let, let, let's talk about gold. I know how much you love to talk about gold. I love to talk about gold. Um, you know, looking back over the year uh, we've seen we saw gold reach a new all-time high uh it still is kind of in this uh, corrective state here the last uh, few months of trading uh but looking back on 2020 and the gold market you know did it meet or meet or exceed your expectations and you know looking ahead into 2021 and the amount of uh fiscal policy that we continue to hear about uh, do you think there's still room to go well, yeah, I, I think there's a lot more room to go. For me, in, in, like in terms of meeting my expectations, the, it never really meets my expectations, but you can't really talk about the gold price without talking about the overt official intervention that, that occurs. So... For me, the intellectual exercise that's interesting is to say, okay, if the central banks stepped away from their intervention in the gold market, where would the price be? And it would be considerably higher. Now, with that in mind, given the <clears throat> degree of intervention that's occurred this year, I, I think gold has, I, I kind of thought we'd be pressing 2000 by the end of the year. But there's there's going to be another big round of, of money printing coming from the Fed. And, and historically, they they always try to, to keep a lid on the price or, or push the price lower ahead of making an announcement like that. So um, to me, that was that was part of the action, aside from the fact that it had gotten very frothy, the whole sector had gotten very frothy by the end of the summer. That was what part of a big part of what was behind the price takedown that started in early September. Uh, I mean, other than the the price fluctuations of the metal, uh, what are some interesting data points out of the uh, the precious metal sector that uh, maybe uh, really surprised you this year? If you could think, uh, you know, maybe something that you follow every week that really like caught you off guard and and, and really made you. Uh, think that man, this there's a lot of more people coming into gold than I think the uh, market realizes. 
And it, you know, again, I think you kind of have to differentiate between money that flows into the ETFs and money that actually flows into physical gold. So the ETFs, I mean, no one can prove that the ETFs actually buy and take possession of of all the you know gold represent that represents the money that's flown in there that's flowed into them. We, we do know that they lease bars from the Bank of England when they get cash in, and that's that's not a that's not a purchase transaction. So you know that that's really part of the the, the fractional nature of the bullion market that it's that it's morphed into over the last forty years. So. Um, in terms of some data points that have surprised me, it, it probably the biggest biggest surprise is is um, the amount of gold that India is buying right now. Now those are that's a physical transaction because when the Indians import gold, it has to be shipped over there and delivered. So that's a bona fide physical gold transaction, and the the, the amount of buying that's gone on there since really early summer has been enormous. Now, it, it's not easy to track that. Um, I subscribe on behalf of my fund to a, a um, it's a daily report put out by um, a guy by the name of John Brimlow. He's been around forever. And um, his, his it's called uh, John Brimlow's Gold Jottings. And it's kind of expensive, but one of the, he tracks, he tracks um, the physical gold market data globally. And so every every day there's a there's a, a report in, in there about um, the the ex duty import premiums over in India. And I, we don't have to get into I don't have to get into explaining how that works. But um, when the ex duty import premium that the public's willing to pay over there is high enough, that means they're importing a lot of gold. Well, and, we've been reporting on it. You know, in the morning briefing, it seems like almost right, every exactly. day for the so, last month. I mean, but it's it's been steady. And one of the big surprise, I guess, one of the big surprises with that is we've run up in the you know the the run up that we've seen in the price of gold this year since since this summer, it hasn't slowed down Indian buying. Usually, like so, if, if gold has a has a two or three day period where it runs up thirty or forty bucks historically the Indians back off like they're price sensitive and they wait until there's another sell-off before they come back into the market I mean it's been relentless buying now for several months every every day and that's been kind of a surprise to me and that doesn't measure the smuggling there's a lot of gold it's been estimated about 300 tons a year gets smuggled into India and the reason for that is they want to is to avoid the the, the duty that's put on gold um, gold is is the import duty is, I believe it's like 12 and a half percent. And so, uh, you know, it's people buying gold over there have to be willing to pay a, a considerable price over the, the world spot price in order to buy gold. And, and, um, and so, um, it, you know, it naturally lends itself to some degree of smuggling. So that, that's probably one of the bigger surprises. Um, what about that, I mean what about the attention what about some of the attention uh gold was making this summer during that huge run up to whatever it made 2100 or or past that you know what I mean what the mainstream media was reporting on it almost every day there was a big I guess you could call it a frenzy before it started to 
to cool off? Did, did the market moves and, and just how quickly it ran up surprise you at all? Not really, because we've seen it several times over the last, well, I started in this sector in 2001 and I, you know, I've seen periods like that several times where all of a sudden there's, there's a lot of uh, momentum chasing and, and retail interest piling into these names. And I mean, this summer I was early on my call, but I started saying in late July, this, this is getting too. so I'm looking at some of these junior mining stocks that I follow and invest in. And I mean, some of them ran up, you know, 700, a thousand percent since, since March or had run up that much by, by the end of, end of July. And I was like, this market needs to correct. It's gotten too frothy. And, and, you know, that's the other component that caused the market sell-off that really kind of started in late August. So the, the, the precious metals market sell-off. So, um, I mean, it, you know, the frenziness was maybe a little more frenzied than I've seen it in the past. And that's, to me, that's just a function of the fact that, um, there's been so much more money printed and and so much more liquidity that's flown into the stock market in general. I mean, look at the general stock market. I mean, it's absurd. Yeah, talk about a frenzy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all so, year. I, I was a little early. I think I think in my mining stock journal, I started talking about the need for correction in late in the late July issues, and it, it took about four weeks before you know it started correcting and pulling back. Uh, speaking of frenzy. Uh, Bitcoin's made a new all-time high today and continues to run. And I, I don't want to ask you about your thoughts on Bitcoin, but I do want to ask you if you feel that maybe this uh, this frothiness in, in cryptocurrency right now is maybe taking away from some buying power into the precious metal space. Well, it's interesting that you should bring that up because I, I was actually thinking about that concept the last couple days. And one of the things I've thought about is I've seen like some crazy price projections for Bitcoin. Like there's some guy out there who I think he's got a $500,000 per coin price target on that. And, you know, it's like, I think I saw it. It was a report that was tweeted on Twitter and people, people don't, criticize that or, you know, explain, you know, t explain why you think Bitcoin's going to 500,000 bucks. But if someone went out there and said gold's going to go to 100,000 bucks, they'd be crucified. So I find, I find that kind of interesting. But um, yeah, I think, I think that's part of the reason why you don't see the official intervention in Bitcoin like you do in gold. Because, you know, first of all, at the end of the day, each sovereignty has the power to regulate or even shut off cryptocurrencies, right? You just got to shut down that part of the, you know, that, that part of the internet, <laughs> it's, you know, it's just like China, um, uh, regulates, you know, the information that can flow over, over in China. And, and so, um, I, I don't, I, I don't think the powers that be really, really care that much about Bitcoin other than maybe they're watching it to see, you know, to, to monitor behavior regarding these cryptos for when the time comes that they roll out, you know, their own, their own, I guess, 
commonly referred to as a central bank digital currency now, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think for sure. I think one of the one of the reasons why why they they let excitement fester around Bitcoin is it it's just like GLD. It diverts cash away from from investors having to buy physical gold as as their wealth preservation investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd, it'd be interesting to see this uh, tug of war between precious metals and Bitcoin continue throughout the year into 2021. It's well, I don't see it as a tug of war. I mean, you've got the Bitcoin adherence, and you've got the precious metals adherence. Well, I, I think I say that because it's like my observation that you know, obviously active online quite a bit throughout the day is I, I really feel like the precious metal investors and buyers are more open to also buying cryptocurrencies and bitcoin i am in that category whereas i feel like the the bitcoin hodlers just completely dismiss precious metals uh thinking like well you know gold is gold is uh uh fine you know Gold is finite, and uh, Bitcoin's way of the future, and gold will become worthless. And so, I, I you know, I kind of feel like you know the the, the hodlers do not necessarily uh, understand the, the the history of gold. You're comparing ten years of Bitcoin history to <laughs> hundreds of thousands, you know, tens of thousands of years of gold. Yeah, it's just. Oh yeah, I agree with that. I, I definitely, there's there's that. There's that zeitgeist amongst the the hodlers. Um, <laughs> I like that. I like referring to them as the hodlers. Uh, there, there's certainly that. Uh, I mean, it's 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 it's. I think it's easier to to buy Bitcoin, right? You just put money in the G, whatever the beat Bitcoin ETF is, GBTC or whatever it is, whatever the ticker is. So. And, and and it's you know it's it's moved quickly over the last several months. So yeah. you know momentum attracts retail money, and I think that's pretty much what you're seeing for the most part in Bitcoin. I mean, obviously there's been reports out there of of hedge funds and well-known guys, well-known hedge funds that have bought a bunch of bitcoins, but I'm I'm certain they're just buying it for a trade. Yeah. I don't think they're buying it for "quote unquote" wealth preservation. Uh, Dave, you you know you've taught me a lot over the last couple of years, and uh, you know, and I think I say that because I want to preface by saying we saw so many uh, "quote unquote" young traders, Robin Hooders, or whatever, come into the market this year and really just run equities, like continue to run up, specifically the tech stocks. Uh, but there's a danger when things continue to run up higher and higher and higher. Uh, for some general advice to maybe some young listeners and traders, uh, maybe who are just relatively new to investing and maybe buying call options or puts or whatever, uh, you know, what would you say to them as you move into 2021? Don't get married to your positions and don't think that you're making money because you've, you've you know, engaged in brilliant analysis you haven't all these stocks that are running up like this are insanely overvalued it's it's 100 a function of the money that's been printed and dumped into the financial system and uh, we saw the same thing in, in at the end of the 1990s 
into early 2000. I mean, the NASDAQ more than doubled in the space of like three months or something. Forget the exact time frame. But um, when the dust settled after the tech crash, as it turned out, something like 90 or 95 percent of all the retail day traders ended up losing money net net. They held on too long and they got too used to buying because there were some sharp sell offs going, you know, and especially in the second half of 1999, because I, I started day trading pretty avidly um, in in late 1999. And, and I was primarily day trading from the short side. But th there was some some pretty abrupt sell offs and the. The, the retail guys chasing these dot-com stocks got conditioned to buy the sell-off because a sharp sell-off would then be followed by a sharp move higher. And it was all being driven by Greenspan's money printing. And that's what, caught, what caused the blow-off top back then was, remember the Y2K scare? Mm -hmm. Everyone was worried about what would, what would happen when the computers globally to the, com, you know, the, the com, computers globally when, when the, um, clock switched from 1999 to 2000. There was some kind of programming glitch that potentially was going to mess up computers. And, and so um, Greenspan dumped a ton of money in mid-December into the financial system via the repo market. And his, his rationalization was, well, we're not sure what's going to happen with Y2K and it could cause some economic disruptions. And we just want to make sure that we can smooth that over and, and support everything in case that happens. Well, the only thing that it served in doing was driving the NASDAQ <laughs> to all-time highs, and and it sucked more retail traders into the market. And it, it was funny because I was actually discussing this with another colleague of mine a couple, maybe a month ago. He's like, you know, this is so similar to 1999, early 2000. And he goes, and he goes you know, I remember back then, when the NASDAQ finally fell off a cliff, there wasn't any warning. It, there wasn't any specific news triggers. It just started to happen. And that's what I think will happen this time around. Mm -hmm. yeah. You've got to be careful if you're, if you're sitting on a bunch of call options and you're over your skis and you're margined up because stocks only go higher. <laughs> the stocks only go up, bro. <laughs> the, market, the market can take it away a lot more quickly than it gives it to you. <laughs> this is true. Uh, there's there was a couple of times I was out over my skis this year, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Uh, Dave, uh, you know one of the conversations you and I had earlier this year, uh, well, we should come back to it, uh, is uh, the copper market. Uh, and remember, you know earlier, like, are you looking at copper uh, copper stocks? You know, copper explorers or developers and uh, you you weren't necessarily terribly excited about it you weren't ready uh, and i haven't think i've re we've really talked about base metals or copper much in the last few months so you know we saw copper reach uh seven and a half eight year high uh are you are you looking at copper now copper equities or are you waiting for a pullback or what's your what's your take here so my my bearishness on copper was bearishness on the general global economy and from everything I look at, yeah, there's been there's been a somewhat of a of a bounce because of all the stimulus that's been that's been thrown into the system globally. 
primarily the Chinese and the Fed. I think the Fed's been the largest money printer this year. Um, and so, I, you know, I, what, what I think is going on in, in copper, it's not, to me, it's not evidence of a strong global economy. Well, first of all, I think it was over the summer sometime, China announced that they were going to start stockpiling a bunch of, of commodities. And, and copper was included in that. And so I think, and it's for them, I think it's two things. It's, it's stocking up on commodities and, and um, you know, scarce resources while, while they're cheap relative to the U.S. dollar and to have them for future use. And so I think a big part of this run-up in copper has been Chinese accumulating it, but also um, accumulating the physical stocks. Uh, but also, I think it reflects the inflation trade, and that, and actually, I think that that's probably a big part of what motivated China's move into into the commodities, base metals, and things like that. Is it, you know, it's 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 a way for them to convert dollars into hard assets, right? And and certainly copper is 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 probably if you invest in copper is probably going to help help preserve your or you know it, it should at least perform in line with 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 price inflation i would think and, and monetary devaluation you know the price inflation that results from fiat currency devaluation which we're seeing on a rampant basis right now so um I, you know i i misread that you know, do I regret not buying some copper stocks? Well, I mean, Freeport MacMoran's up about 400% this year, I guess, from its 52-week low. Um, so, yeah, I missed out on that trade. But, um, you know, I, I've had I've had junior gold and silver miners that have outperformed Freeport. So, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a trade-off. Would I rather have my my money invested in things that I think have five to 10 bagger potential or, you know, something like Freeport that's high dollar cost. And it's, it's gone up what 400% this year or something like that. Yeah. I, I, I've been very open the last few months that said that move in copper and base metals surprised me. Uh, <clears throat> I, I'm with you. I, I wasn't prepared for it honestly myself. So, uh, well, so speaking of maybe not making a trade when you wanted to, like, I thought it'd be kind of fun, uh, you and I to chat about maybe one or two of, uh, your best performers of the year and maybe one or two of, uh, you know, that didn't turn out too well in my portfolio type of performers. <laughs> so, what? And you have losers in your portfolio? Oh my gosh. It's only loser <laughs> if you sell it, right? Pardon me? It's only a loser if you sell it. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's uh, let's. How about we? We'll, we'll end on a high note. So let's talk about maybe uh, a junior a junior equity junior uh, junior mining equity that maybe has not panned out well for you. Dis uh, a disappointment. You know, um, a disappointment, if you will. I would say my biggest disappointment. It's probably Mineral Mountain Resources. Mm. You're familiar with that one, aren't you? Yeah. You should be from the Mining Stock Journal. Yep. Yeah, so they have a, a, a um, gold project in in Montana. It's, it's I think it's like 10 miles south of 
or 30 miles south along the same fault line as, as the old Homestake Mining, which then became Newmont, which mm-hmm. at one point was the, the Homestake Mine was the largest and most profitable mine in the world. Um, and so uh, Nelson Baker, who, who was the guy who made the Rainy River discovery, um, he, he took a look at the, of the, the property and said, Hey, I think there's, I think there's mineralization in here that flows from the same sources that mineralized the, the homestake mines. So, um, I, I actually have had been following and recommending mineral mountain in my mining stock journal since I want to say summer of 2016 maybe mm-hmm. i've been a share i have i have been a shareholder of that myself so four years mm-hmm. and it had a big run-up at one point and then it's it sold off they had trouble raising money uh in my opinion it hasn't been particularly well managed and and their their shareholder relations is is um I've seen better shareholder relations from from companies than this one has, um, and to me, I, I think there's a reason why it's struggling. And I and I announced this in the Mining Stock Journal that I had bailed on my position on it, and I'm still following it, and I'm still hopeful for it. But um, it, it's probably been my biggest disappointment because they have drilled on the project and and they did some fancy, complicated, technologically-based drilling, and, and they still haven't made any discoveries. So um, I thought by this point in time that they would have had a, a discovery that they were advancing, and, and they're not. And so it's, it's probably been my biggest disappointment this year. Uh, similar story, different company for me. Uh, one I'm, I have sold uh, for a loss just because I was not very happy with how I was panning out, but continue to watch is Millrock Resources. Uh, it's, uh, I, I'm confident that that team will make a good discovery up in Alaska. They've got a great CEO, great geological team, but they just haven't necessarily been able to produce that key drill result yet. So that's been... Uh, well, I was going to mention Millrock, but honestly, it's it's not in the disappointment phase for me yet. No? And the reason okay. is they, they, they haven't really... They haven't drilled that many holes there yet, and it's it's they're essentially the, the the targets that they're drilling on are you know for lack of a better term are kind of virgin targets, and so it's it's basically their initial round of drilling they didn't they didn't hit anything meaningful, but that rarely happens with some of with with most of these juniors. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, to me, it's not a disappointment yet. Right. And and actually, the, the the drill results that they turned out what about six weeks ago, I guess, something like that. Um, those actually had a lot of meaningful information for the geologists there. And it's one to watch. That's that's for sure. And not it's being a watch. trained geologist, I mean, I've I've been in communication with the guys at EMX Royalties. Mm-hmm. And they're obviously very, very highly skilled trained geologists, highly successful. And, you know, they, they, they still believe, you know, they invest that I got the idea because they invested in it and they were bought up, they bought royalties on, on, um, mining claims that surround Mill Rock's property. 
they, they think that that has that area has potential to be huge and they still think that and they they were they were fine with the with the first round of drill results and i think i think they're drilling right now up there i there was an update that millrock put out a I don't know about a week ago, and I just haven't had time to study it yet. But mm-hmm. um, Millrock's still very, very early in the ball game, so yes. it, it's not in. The, it hasn't been a disappointment to me. Right. Uh, okay, so let's finish up this conversation, and you know, give me one of your stocks that you've been following that's really just been an outperformer for 2020. Uh, hands down, Discovery Metals. It's been and, a good one. It's been a good one. Yeah, I mean, and actually, I I first stuck it in the Mining Stock Journal. I meant to look it up. I want to say I started talking about it in the summer of 2019 because they were getting ready to, you know, they were merging with Levon Resources, and um, they wanted Levon's Cordero Silver Project, which it potentially... <laughs> potentially could turn out to be one of the largest silver underground yet to be mined resources in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I stuck it in the mining stock journal and invested in it when it was below 20 cents a share. And it's now, I mean, it traded over $2 in the, in the height of the frenzy of the summer. And I, I cut, I cut our position down quite a bit when it went when it was on its way up to two dollars and when it went over two dollars and then it in this recent you know in this in the sell-off that we've had it got down to as low as i want to say maybe even a dollar 17 and i started um adding shares back between a dollar 20 and a dollar 30 and i still have room to add quite a bit more um and so that that's hands down has been my best idea um in 2020 Um, this wasn't an idea of 2020, but it certainly had been an outperformer of everything I hold in my portfolio. And that's Monera Alamos. Oh yeah. That's been a terrific one. Yeah. Uh, Doug Ramshaw and, uh, they have, you know, not only are they doing exploration development, but you can see a business strategy for cash flow, And, uh, that's been really positive to see. And I've been a shareholder of theirs for I don't know, a couple of years now. But this year they they've really continued to to move. So good good foundation on um, the share and the share structure, good foundation of shareholders, good management, and um, I you know I, I I got my original capital back, uh, but I'm still holding been holding for a while. So I've been very happy. You know I I, I can't remember exactly when I um, put Monera in the Money Stock Journal and invested in it. Um, just trying to I think it was last year. It was, it was, um, I'm, I'm just have a list here. It was, um, in July, it was mid July last year and the stock had run from eight cents to 12 or 13 cents. And I'm like, what? I, I can't stick this in the mining stock journal. It's already up 50%. And I'm like, well, what the heck? You know what? You're not either this stock's going to be worth a dollar 20 someday or it's not going to work out. And there's no way it was going to you know, go down much other than maybe market related correlation from 12 cents just because of what they already had. So, um, you know, I put it in the mining stock journal, put it in my fund at 12 cents. And I mean, it's been what high fifties. 
Uh, yeah, up, yeah. up to high and U.S. 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 Yeah, and it's 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 at I mean it's fifty one cents today. I mean it's really hung in there nicely despite the pullback that we've had in the sector. And I um, exchanged several emails with Doug, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. I I talked about it in the Mining Stock Journal. I don't know if you remember. I don't know if you read that issue. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, this thing could easily has the potential. I don't want to say easily. This thing has the potential to double or triple from here. And this is a this is a company that is. I mean, they're going to start generating a lot of free cash flow. And they, they're not going to have to yep. issue shares to continue um, advancing. But is it the La Fortuna project? Santana. La, well, Santana is the one that's that's getting ready to pour. Right. And right. they also have. I think it's I think it's La Fortuna is the name of it. And that's that's another one. It's like a ten to twelve million dollar startup. I think. Don't quote me on those. Those are. This is just off the top of my head. But they'll be able to fund uh, building the mine there. Out of cash flow from Santana. Yeah, and then there's uh, and Sarah Del the Sarah Del upside on both properties. Yeah, Sarah Del Oro is their third one recently picked up. Right, so. right. Yeah. yeah, and so I mean, this thing it 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 doesn't have like junior exploration upside potential unless gold the price of gold goes crazy, which it probably will eventually. But um, you know, it, it it does have the attributes, the potential attributes to give it junior alpha if it if it you know continues to demonstrate that there's a lot more resources on on their on their properties yeah. um dave let's uh wrap it at there uh taking up a lot of your time this afternoon you probably got a tennis match or something to get to uh, actually in about nine minutes i'm going to be jumping on a, a webinar um with uh black rock gold oh very good very good Send my best to Andrew Pollard there. Um, uh, Dave, appreciate you. Appreciate all your time. Uh, and Likewise, writing Trevor. Writing that uh, intro for the morning briefings every morning. Uh, so this is what happens before I go to bed, bed the night before. I usually get an email from, from Denver Dave Kranzler here with, uh, with his insights into the gold market. So that's where that briefing and information comes from every morning. Uh, and he's been doing it for two and a half years alongside me so uh dave again uh thanks so much i really appreciate it man hey no problem i i love doing it yeah so love, uh, love this i love this sector i thought i'd be burned out on it by now but i'm really not <laughs> i mean it's <laughs> true true name, my opinion. <laughs> two true degenerates right here let me tell you how about that <laughs> uh hey merry christmas daddy i'll uh we'll, we'll look forward to catching up with you again after the new year Likewise, Trevor. <laughs>